I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 3. We'll be in verse 5 and 6 here in just a minute. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. I want to start a new series today entitled Decision 2012. How will you decide? Decision 2012, how will you decide? In this uh, election season, there's all kinds of ads, all kinds of media that's grabbing for our attention to give us persuasion of how to cast our vote one way or another. And I believe it's important for us to ask God to show us how we are to make decisions in life. Now, there's some just by this graphic or this topic thus far, it can make you a little bit uneasy. Pastor, this sounds a lot like politics. We're not supposed to have politics in church. I was uh, reminded by uh, the Lord this week on the importance of us proclaiming God's truth, no matter how popular or unpopular it may be. I was hearing from a, another pastor this week, and his words jogged some things in my heart that began to speak to me. The truth is that 50 years ago, you could stand before your congregation in America and you could say that abortion is wrong, and most people would say, well, sure, that's right. But if you say that today, there are some in the broader even Church of Christ that would say, that's too political, Pastor. Don't, don't talk about that. 30 years ago, you could stand before your church and you could say that the practice of homosexuality is not only wrong, it's sin before God. And most people would say, well, that, that's right. But if you do that today, there's some who will say, well, that's too political, Pastor. Don't, don't say those things. Ten years ago, you could say that marriage is between one man and one woman. And most people would say, well, of course, that's, that's what marriage is. But today, people would say, well, that's, that's too political, Pastor. Don't talk about that. Church, I want to encourage you, I want to remind you that God has not changed, His Word has not changed, but our culture is ever-changing so fastly. It's not that we shouldn't have politics in church, it's that we should be bold enough to proclaim God's Word whenever and wherever it speaks to any area in our life. uh, I want you to know, church family, that we here have had a commitment to God's Word And we will continue to proclaim God's word boldly in every area that it speaks to our life. Now, some of you, uh, this brings warmth to your heart. Others, you go, I knew I should have stayed home today. I want you to know that I believe that how we vote is important to God. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about how we have a responsibility as those who've been given a decision-making factor in our vote on who will govern us and how they will govern us, that we will be held accountable to the type of leadership that we empower. Now, I'm not responsible for your vote, and you're not responsible for mine, but we need to prayerfully consider how we make a decision. And we're going to talk about that in the next number of weeks. But I want to talk to you about something I believe that is even more politically incorrect today. It's, it's something that God clearly put on my heart about Tuesday afternoon, sitting at my desk, and Jesus gave me a picture of a far greater tragedy. What if you and I get to heaven, and we stand before Almighty God, and we are there on Judgment Day, and we walk through, and He sees that every time we vote in an election, we have a perfect record of voting to the best of our ability, a candidate who would best govern the way God would want them to be. If you had a perfect voting record, 
But then when God began to look at your everyday life, he saw all kinds of inconsistencies on how you allowed him to help you make decisions in your own life. Church, I want you to know today that it is very important that we pray and that we exercise our responsibility to vote. And we're going to talk about that. But I want to talk to you today about a message entitled, Making Good, Godly Decisions and the Little Things in Life. Now, if you're here today and you say, I don't think this election is that important, I'm not an alarmist, and those kind of things, then this applies. This is a very little thing to you then, and God wants to be a part of the little decisions you make. I would hold a different opinion. I think it's very important that we have constant prayer and fasting leading up to this election, and like I said, we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But today, I want to warn you that there's a temptation to allow this to maybe tickle your ears. Uh, I don't want to offend you, but I want to love you. And so it's my prayer that you listen and hear and engage God's word today for what it really has for us. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Does God really care about every decision I make? What about the small ones? Listen to God's word. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Now the scripture is very clear here. It says, in all of your ways acknowledge him. So does that affect the little decisions in my life? I checked the original language. All meant all. It wasn't that exciting of a word study. It's just, it's, it's everything. And, and every area of your life, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. So why do we struggle so often with seeking God's guidance in the little decisions in our life? I don't think it's limited to this, but often it's one of these three things. One, it, it may be that we're still struggling with surrendering our will and our heart to God. Jesus, I believe in you. I, I want your salvation. I, I want to give you parts of my life, but, but not everything. I mean, come on, God. This is my life. I mean, you, you saved it because you love me, and if you really love me, you know that it's mine. And so it's issues of surrender, and we struggle with allowing God to give us direction in what we think are the small things in our life. Another area, maybe a second, would because we we really don't believe that God even cares about the small things in our life. I think for some of us, we just not sure that God even cares about those things. Third, it may not be because of a lack of surrender or a lack of belief that God cares about the small things in our life, but I believe it's because we get so busy, it's not even a conscious decision. We just look and go, I haven't even involved God in any of this. It wasn't a conscious decision, but I just got so wrapped up in doing my thing that I forgot to invite God into my life. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter why you have bypassed God's guidance in your everyday life, the truth still remains. That if you get one little degree off course, it leads you miles in the wrong direction. Now those of you who have ever uh, sailed a boat or a ship or you've flown a plane, maybe you've taken lessons in flying a plane, you know that the navigational devices that you set your course, one degree may not seem like a big difference now, but, but a long time ahead, it makes a huge difference. One little degree off course can lead you miles in the wrong direction. God absolutely cares about the little things in our life. But rarely do we stop and ask God questions like this. Lord, do you want me to make that phone call? Do you want me to go away this weekend? God, what do you have for me this evening? 
Do you want me to buy that motorcycle? Lord, should I request overtime or should I go home early today? Lord, do you want me to spend next Saturday doing this or doing that? See, if we don't seek God and his guidance, we skip over a treasure of whispers that God wants to give to us. It's the lifeblood of a vibrant relationship with him. Sometimes we get so overly self-reliant that we miss out that God wants to whisper to us. You see, the question for a lot of us is I think we've been tricked into thinking that God doesn't really speak that way anymore. God, it's not that I don't want your guidance, but I'm not so sure that you even do that anymore. You see, if we don't really believe that God still speaks to us personally and intimately, then seeking God's guidance is pointless. Let's just be gut-level honest. If, if, If you're not so sure that God wants to speak to you tomorrow, then everything else I'm going to say is trash. It's rubbish. And so let's look at that. Let's start at that place this morning. Now, we're going to get to the outline. Those of you who like following along in notes and outline, you've got my personality. It's going to mess you all up today. The outline is not in proportion to the time that I'm speaking. So just rest at ease. We'll get to that in just a second. But I don't want to miss this point because I think everything else we're going to look at is completely lost if we don't catch this here at the beginning. See, uh, another reason that we, we think that asking God for direction in every area of our life is is overwhelming. It's this intimate communication with God. I'm not so sure. Is I think we have this legalistic misunderstanding of God's desire to lead us. We think that God giving us guidance in everyday life is this cosmic killjoy who is ready to zap you if you choose chicken or steak wrong and you don't know what I'm going to do right today. God, you just have this needle in a haystack you want me to find. And, and friend, that is the farthest thing from the truth because Scripture says the one who has set you free, if you're free in the Son, you are free indeed. And so following Him, having your Savior lead you, brings more liberty. It's not that you have to ask God for guidance in every little tiny thing you get to. Why would you not want His guidance? Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. There's these two things that this belief rests upon. One, the first belief is that God really has a plan for you. If you don't believe that God has a plan for you, then the rest of this passage will fall very, very, very short for you. The second is the belief that God has the ability to communicate with you. You know, in Genesis 1, it's important that God spoke the world into existence. God is a God who communicates. He communicates in creation, He communicates to you, and He communicates to me. Now, we've been created in His image, so we are also communicators. I am trying to communicate now, and you are trying to to partake in communication and listening. And when we commune with one another, we exchange information and love with one another. In communion, we exchange love for Him and receive it from Him. God is a God who communicates to us. We often embrace the authority and authenticity and the richness of Scripture. There's few who would, I think today, say, I don't really believe the Bible. But the problem is the Bible is littered, it's full of all kinds of real true life stories of God speaking to his people, God speaking to individuals in scripture, and they heard from God and they obeyed God. Now, 
There, there is this epidemic of thought running rampant in the church that that, that no longer happens anymore. That, that's just something of the past. And, and I want to suggest today, the Bible, it's not a book of some kind of exception. Well, that just happened once or twice or back then. It's a book of examples. God says, I have spoken and I want to continue to speak to you today. You see, if the Bible is just a book of some kind of exceptions and it's not a book of examples of how God speaks... That's a nasty trick that God would play on us. I just want you to imagine that you are, you are uh, in Los Angeles, and I give you a map of Detroit and say, find your way around. It has no relevance there. Even though the map of Detroit is true and it's accurate for Detroit, it, it's, it's just an exception. It's, it doesn't apply to Los Angeles. God does not give us his word and say, well, this is what happened then. But, but you need to know, I don't do this anymore. I just wanted you to see what happens in Detroit. But I know you're in Los Angeles, but, 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 but I don't do that stuff anymore. I don't speak that way anymore. You know what? God has given us a book of examples of how he speaks. In John chapter 10, don't take my word for it. You study it later. John chapter 10, we find that Jesus is comparing himself to the shepherd. And he says, the sheep will know my voice. They will listen to me. You see, when we are close to God, we can hear his voice. When my wife calls me on the phone, I don't have to say, who's this? And if I did, that leads to another not so good conversation. I mean, she assumes that I recognize her voice. She assumes that I know her number. When she calls, my greeting needs to be such that I recognize who this is, but do we even know the voice of God anymore? Well, you say, well, well Pastor, I, I'm not against following God. I'm not against Him helping me make decisions and, and, and whatever about the election. I, I may skip next week because I don't want to hear anything about that, but wherever you're at. But why are you pressing me to allow God to make decisions in, in my everyday life, what's wrong with just trusting him with the big picture idea? Why do I have to listen to the little things? Well, here's the problem. Now you can pull out your outline. We finally got to that. The problem is with our self-guidance system. The first problem is this, our limited perspective. You see, we don't have the vantage point that God has. What may seem very insignificant to us may be very significant to God. So, Logically, the very problem with this premise of saying, God, you take care of the big things, I'll take care of the little things. How good are you at determining what is big and what is little? Because one little degree off course can lead you miles in the opposite direction. And we need to understand that, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so even the ability to distinguish between what is small and what is big, I may not have the perspective that you have. Second is our addiction to doing Instead of being. The culture and spirit of our age right now is one of busyness and drivenness. The danger in living in this overscheduled world is that we tend to let most of the important things go in life. We say things like, I don't have time for God this morning. I'm already late for work. I can barely get dinner on the table. I don't have time to, to be praying today. I don't have time to shepherd my heart and be aware of my inner reality. My external is screaming for attention. I just don't have time for that. You say, I, I don't have time to sit back and meditate on God's scriptures and for his provision in my life. 
My retirement account has dropped 40% in the last couple of years. I've got to do something about this. I've got to achieve more, earn more, do more, secure more things. And we miss out on what God has created us to be. We start doing and we stop being his child. We stop being in his presence. We stop being thankful. We stop being loved by him. Also, the problem with our own guidance system, if you need one more, is our fallen flesh. Scripture is clear that we have a bent towards evil and left unto ourselves, we curve inwardly. We cave in on ourselves selfishly. But the good news is God never intended for you to do life on your own. He never intended you to face everyday situations by yourself and you need his spirit in your life. It's not just there's a problem with our guidance system. It's not just to circumvent those problems. There is power in living everyday moments in God's guidance. You see, you can't just say, God, I'm going to make good decisions for you on who I marry and and what job I choose and in big, huge things and expect to get it right when we've never practiced and allow God to train our ears, to train our hands and feet to obey into everyday little things. There is power when we allow him to do this. First, there is power when we talk to God. See, it's not that you have to pray about every single thing in your life. The enemy's going to jump on your shoulder today and say, See, if you were a good Christian like Pastor Brady talked about, you'd be praying about everything and you'd messed it all up. You thought revolutionary love was tough. Now you're sunk. Now you've got to pray about chicken and steak and wheat tortilla or flour tortilla. and I just don't know. I want you to hear me clearly. It's not that you have to pray about every single thing. It's you get to. What if you'd walk up and you'd say, you know what, God, you know, I don't know if you care about chicken or steak today, but is there anybody in in Subway here you want me to talk to? God, do I reserve room for you to talk to me about even my eating choices? Am am I I eating to fill a void in my life or am I eating to sustain life? Uh, God, I'm going to let you speak to me on those things. I'm not suggesting that for you. I'm telling you what God's been saying to me. I'm letting you in on his conversation with me. Do you have to pray about every single thing in your life? You get to. Why would you not want to talk to your daddy about the things that are important to you? There's power in everyday moments in God's guidance, not only when we talk to God, but there's also power when we hear from God. See, God speaks today. The question is, do you know his voice? We come to God because we need counsel and we need comfort and we love hearing his voice. But the real question is, am I willing to submit to him? You see, you cannot hear God's voice unless you submit to his will. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, let's unpack that together. If you say, God, I want to hear you speak to me, but you only listen to God's yes, you're not listening to God. You're listening to yes. If you want God to speak to you, but you're only going to listen when he answers the way you want him to, you're not listening to God, you're listening to the answer that you want. If you never let God say no, if you never let God lead you in a direction other than you want, you don't want God's direction, you want God's stamp. You want God's approval on what you've already decided to have happen. But there is power, not only when you talk to him, there's power when you hear from him. There's also power when we walk with him. See, some of us, we need to look for God and not look for answers. 
if we are so hungry for God, then we would welcome him speaking on any area of our life. But here's the problem. I think a lot of us, we don't really want to hear from God. We want answers from God. And here's how we know. In the little things in life where we feel like we already have the answer, well, I don't need you, God, because I wasn't really seeking you. I was just seeking answers from you. Now, in those big hard things, I don't have the answers, so I'm going to pray. I need you, God. You see the difference? I'm not sure we do, so we'll rewind and start that over again. You see, it's not that we're supposed to seek answers. We're supposed to seek God. And the problem is, if I only want God to give me answers on the things that I don't understand, then I don't want God. I want his answers. But in the little decisions, everyday things in life, where you could probably conjure up your own answer, if you're really seeking God, you say, God, come on in. If you got anything to say about Subway today, then talk to me. If you don't, let's eat. Doritos are good. You see, it's a difference in saying there is power when you let God come into everyday moments in your life. Now, we've become good as Christians. We understand, and I think we've kind of repelled against the lie of the enemy of being a once-a-day Christian. I think most of us have said, you know what, I don't want to just live for Jesus on Sunday and live for Satan Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Did I forget one? I think I got them all. Each one of those days, I, I, I want to live for you, God, every single day of the week. And we've done okay with that, but here's what we do. Well, God, I'm living for you every single day of the week. Sunday, got a couple time slots. Monday, morning, maybe lunch, uh, before bed, I got the rest covered. Okay, I'm clocking into work. I got this covered, God. I don't need you anymore, God. We started out the day. I mean, what else do you want, God? I prayed in the morning. I read your word. I memorized something. Now, can I go get my job done? You see, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. Now, there's some prerequisites that we need to know, but before I get to that, I think this truth is why someone came to church today. When we look at the power we have when we walk with God, we need to understand that making decisions in the little things in life is not so much charting a course as it is chasing the Creator. It's not so much that you just get answers on how to turn here and there and there and do every little tiny thing perfect so you get your stars on your chart all lined up. But it's not about charting that course. It's about chasing your creator, following him. He will not allow himself to be in the back seat. He wants to lead in your life. Are you chasing God at work? Are you running hard and fast after God on your day off? Are you chasing after him on vacation? Are you looking for God at Walmart? You know, I'm not just trying to be silly about this. I'm not saying that God is on aisle 17 on shelf 3. But God's creation is in Walmart. Does he want to speak to you about anybody who's there? There's things that may possibly bring glory to his name at Walmart. There's things that may bring dishonor to his name at walmart are are you going to listen to god at walmart no no i got this covered got my shopping list i'm in and out there's a difference when we ask god to speak to us in the everyday things in life to have this happen there's some prerequisites but we cannot have this happen unless we look at first confidence in him This goes right back to our text this morning. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That is confidence in Him. With all of our heart. Not just believing that I'm going to trust Him in some things or in most things, but in all things. 
I'll never forget my friend CJ in Columbus, Ohio. At the time, he didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. To the best of my knowledge, he didn't appear to be living for Jesus. Later on, he'd tell me that he wasn't living for Jesus. But I'll never forget this response as I was asking him some probing questions on spiritual things. And and he responded. He said, Brady, he says, I talk to God every single day. I just don't ever do what he says. I loved CJ's honesty and transparency because he wasn't fooling God. And at the time, he wasn't fooling me. But many of us, we need to ask the question, is it just that I talk to God or do I ever do what he tells me? Do I ever expect to really hear anything from him? We need to make sure that if we're going to hear from God, we have confidence in him. Uh, second is caution regarding ourselves. Look at our text again. And lean not on your own understanding. We need to have great caution with our own understanding. I love the mental picture Scripture gives us of leaning. Now, it worked first service. It'd be really bad if the wheels are wrong here and I go flying. But if you just put all your weight on something. Right now, I'm leaning on this piano. All 112 pounds of me is leaning on this piano. That's my left leg. Now, the rest of me is leaning too. But Scripture says, don't lean like this on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. What are you leaning on? God doesn't say get rid of your logic, get rid of your mind. In fact, those of you who have great minds, it should be so much easier for you to understand how far greater is His ways than your ways. Logically, don't put your weight on just your understanding. Don't you think the Creator of the universe understands a few more things than you do? What are you putting your weight on? Caution, prerequisite to hearing God in everyday life. You need to have confidence in Him and you need to be careful what you put your weight on. Do not lean just on your own understanding. Third, we need to have a connection with Him. And all of your ways, acknowledge Him. This means to observe Him, to get to know Him in every area of our life. How well do you get to know God at work? How well do you get to know God at the movies? How well do you invite Him into those areas and say, God, no. We need to acknowledge Him in every single area of our life. As we uh, come to an end of this teaching time, I think right here is where the enemy gets most of his victory. We've heard his truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Good, Pastor. I like it. Let's go. But the problem is Jesus expects us to act on this This afternoon, tomorrow, how are we going to allow God to give us direction in the everyday little things in life? First of three, real quick, is this thought. Life comes at you really fast. You have to live in the overflow of his presence. I don't know if you remember the nationwide commercials a few years back where they would talk about life coming at you fast. It's some you know, comical tragedy of something crashing and things happening, and they'd say, life comes at you fast. And the point was, you better have insurance. You can't just sidestep everything that comes at you. The same thing happens with our relationship with God. You will not have an hour to seek God and pray over every decision that you're going to make. It's not possible. Life comes too fast for that. That's why He's designed us, created us, to live in the overflow of His Spirit. You see, we have the freedom 
to be saturated by the presence of God. And when life comes at us fast, the good decisions that come out of us is being saturated by Him. But some of us, we just sidestep. We're not a reservoir to soak up the things of God. We're in a drain that's open and just whoosh right by us. You see, the enemy has gotten victory in your life because when you've heard people talk about a daily time in prayer and a daily time in reading his word, you see this is like a God meter. You know, it's kind of like, well, God's meter must be getting low and he can't do very many miracles, so we better have more Christians read their Bible and get the God meter to go up or more people to pray. Hey, God is not in need of you to pray. He's not in need of you to read, but you are in need of being saturated by him. Oh, that's good. I don't know if you got it or not. That's good. I'll amen that myself. You see, because we get so lost in thinking that this is a performance thing, and God says, when you saturate yourself in me, then when you're squeezed, out comes the goodness. God wants us to be saturated in Him. The temptation is when life gets crazy, we naturally start chucking things out the window. This is too intense of a time to mess around with just being quiet before God. This is too intense of a time for me to... Read more in God's Word. To spend more time with God's people to allow iron to sharpen iron. That's the very time you need to step it up and get saturated in His presence. I think for some of us, if we're honest, I always want you to be honest. When we talk about lingering in God's presence, there's a thought that just comes in your mind. It's okay. Why? God's still God, right? Like, what does it matter if I sit and wait on Him? What's up with Pastor Edgar just waiting so long today? Just kind of, come on, Pastor Edgar, let's go. Hey, this isn't for God. This isn't for Pastor Edgar. We need to be so saturated with the things of Him, waiting on Him, that when we have decisions to make so quickly, there's an overflow in our life. The second thing is this, to put this into practice tomorrow, we need to understand the fear factor. The voice of the enemy brings fear and condemnation. Now, I'm not trying to give extra glory to Satan. God is so far more powerful than the enemy. But there's been something that's happened in the church where where we have begun to say that there is no such thing as spiritual warfare. Uh, Friends, I, I believe I know where that came from. In the modern era when science and technology and psychology and behavioral sciences began to explode, and there's good things in all of those, I'm not putting science down. I'm not putting psychology down or technology down. In and of themselves, they're a wisdom that's given by God. But in a day of logical thinking in the modern era, we began to build constructs, and we began to say, you know what, God? (laughs) We got this thing figured out. And so anything we couldn't explain away in the human experience in the science book or in the technology book or in the psychology book, we began to say, well, that doesn't really exist. And we began to cripple Christians and not tell them, hey, the enemy is roaming around, ready to devour you like a lion. You see, I'm not trying to get you to live in fear. The enemy is. And if you don't acknowledge that he's going to bring fear against you and try to bring destruction against you, you are fighting with your hands tied behind your back. Now, don't misunderstand me. You and I are no match for Satan. But in the name of Jesus Christ, you can resist it head on. Well, Pastor, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, then I want you to argue with 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Warns us to have a heads up that the enemy is coming after you. Well, that's just kind of one place. James 4, 7. Be ready to resist the enemy. Well, what does this have to do with making decisions and the little things in life? Church, if you get serious 
about saying, God, I want to seek you in the everyday moments, this ticks the enemy off. He is already banked on getting you discouraged, distracted, defeated, bringing death into your life in these everyday moments. He's given up on most of you a long time ago about who you'll marry, what job you'll have, those big things. He's going to go after you in the little things. But he is a liar. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus says, wake up, church. I want to speak to you today. I have a message of joy and love and hope and direction for you. Do you want to hear from me? No, God, I got it. We're good. We're good. Or do we need more from him? Finally, the third thing we can do to put this into practice is we just got to start doing it. You love God and God loves you. If that's true for you, then you need to stand in that love. Making good decisions in everyday life, the enemy is going to throw all kinds of things at you and there's going to be times when you just don't feel saved. You just don't feel like God is with you. You know what? You need to stand up in it and claim God's word and say God's word is true no matter how I feel. I woke up this morning and I went outside and I felt cold. I was freezing to death. I've had people ask me why I've got 17 layers on. Because 46 is freezing. I don't know what I'm going to do when it's zero degrees out. I didn't feel warm. I didn't feel excited to be outside. Now, I love winter in pictures and in the movies. And I remember it in my mind. But it's a whole lot colder than I thought. Friends, when we're making decisions in everyday life, it's not how you feel cold or hot. I feel kind of got a zip in my step today. Well, if you do, good. If you don't, well, that's okay. That's life. But God is bigger than how you feel in life. We need to make sure that we're living in the overflow church to make decisions in him. We got to make sure that we're honest and know that the enemy will come at you. He'll make you fearful. He will make you feel condemned all over the place and call it out for who it is. That is the enemy. And you need to stand up in God's word. This final thought. And I think I'm through. We'll see. Maybe my 12th conclusion. I don't know. It's not a question. If God will guide you. But the question is, are you willing to be led? Church, it's so important in our nation in this time. We're at a crossroads and we need to be praying and seeking God. God, don't just tell me about a political party. That's trash. Don't just tell me about a name on a piece of paper. That's trash. God, how do you want your people to be governed? How do you want us to live? And you are responsible for your vote, and I'm responsible for mine. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. But what a greater tragedy for us to vote with a stellar record of voting for God in government somewhere. But when it comes to the everyday situations of our life, I got it, God. The Holy Spirit said to me, we need to wake up and speak our faith to the nation. But before we do that, we need to speak it to the mirror. We need to speak it to those in our family. And we need to say, God, it's time that I need you this afternoon. Well, let's pray together.